Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. I might take this home. It's your team. I, I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna take this home and I'm gonna wear it. I'm gonna just wear every it every Sunday. No, just you know, when I spend time with my wife. Ah, yes. <laughs> You'd be dressed. You'd be like, I'm dressed. This, this, I'm gonna wear this and nothing else. Oh, oh man. Terrifying visual. <laughs> Particularly yes, if you picture the the unicorn and the teddy bear <laughs> in the visual with you on the belt. You spend time in a different room. And <laughs> the title belt. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour, where we are all properly dressed for work today. I'm your host here, Connor Rogers, alongside Jay Croucher and Matthew Berry, who is out in Kansas City as we get ready for the kickoff of the NFL season. Berry, how is the flight in? Uh, you know what? It was uh, it was a struggle, to be perfectly honest with you. I had to do two different drafts. No, seriously. I had to do two different drafts, um, and I don't want to mention the airline, but it rhymes with Smelta. And uh, the internet, they advertised to me, hey, there's going to be strong internet on this flight to Kansas City. I got two drafts that I have to do this night. It's the only way I can get to Kansas City in time to do the show here live for us, right? Because I have to go to the stadium later today. Big money draft, 16-team league, and, like, the Internet's not working. I can't log on to the draft room, so I'm texting with the commissioner. At least the texting service is working, and I'm able to text, and he's texting me every the picks, and I'm texting back who I want, everything like that. And then all of a sudden, the Internet just goes out. And I say to the flight attendant, I'm like, what's going on with the Internet? And they go, oh, yeah, we just decided to reset it. I'm like, well, how long does it take to reset it? 30 minutes. 30 minutes! So, like, I'm texting with a guy, like, and it doesn't go out, and I'm just like, I need another running back. I need a running back, you know? And I'm like, uh, you know, and he's, he's been texting me who's available. I'm like, hey, uh, Jalen Warren's still there. Get me Jalen Warren. And then I finally come back on, and I'm like, who'd you get me? And he goes, ah, sorry, I got you Tyler Boyd. <laughs> a nerve-wracking draft for Matthew, and a lot of people can relate yeah, to awful. that. That's yeah. Yeah. That's it's, anyway, that's my one piece of advice. My one piece saying. of advice is if, if you have to fly during a draft, pick a different airline than the random one that I just mentioned. <laughs> Unbelievable. See well, if you can pick pick the clues to figure it out. It was awful. It was awful. It was. I know. Anyway, I know, Matthew. You are. I know you sit at the back of the plane, Matthew, and sometimes the Wi-Fi doesn't extend to you know 34C. But uh, hopefully next time you have uh, 
you have better luck. And uh, to be fair, when you're on the ground, you often don't make your draft picks in timely fashion either, uh, as we found out in person as you kept on trying to pause the draft in real time uh, in the no, fantasy listen, league draft. Listen, you know what you're going to do? You know what you're going to do, Jay Croucher? You're going you're to get Stop me in trouble draft. because I've already killed one brand and now I'm going to kill another one because, no, it's just like... Because the default rankings on the site that we used for the draft, which I did not want to use, I was overruled. I wanted to use a different site that I think is better, but I was overruled on that and whatever. It just happened once, and luckily I had already had Tank Dell queued because I love me Tank Dell. You know what? I've said this before. I say it again. Tank Dell this year will become a thing. He, he, uh, it will become a thing. Anyway, I like the fact that uh, we're all wearing black today. <laughs> Uh, we're we're all wearing uh, we're all bl- wearing black. I I assume um, for me I chose this is a uh, this is a t-shirt that represent this is from a, a bar in Nashville. Uh, the Lucky Bastard actually Jimmy Buffett spent a lot of time in Nashville. No idea if he ever went to the Lucky Bastard, but um, he did spend a lot of time in Nashville. So a uh, bit of an honor to him. Uh, I assume Jay, you're wearing black just to to mourn your fantasy team, which is already dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly right, Matthew. <laughs> exactly right. Very yeah, good gag. I knew that. Very good stuff. That's what I thought. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's get, that was phenomenal. Let's get into the Roto World player news. And, of course, for all your Roto World player news, you can go to NBCSports.com. And where else to start? Listen, you know who drinks free today. It is Travis Kelsey Drafters that drink free today at the Happy Hour Bar because they are Sweezy Berry's reactions right now. Uh, They are sweating, and we're going to get into all that in just one moment here, Barry, but before we do, let's hear what Andy Reid had to say on the Travis Kelsey situation for the opener. As far as injuries go, Kels hyperextended his knee today, so uh, we'll just see how he does um, going forward. Do you expect all those injured guys on your list? uh, I'll tell you what with the injuries. I'll give them to you tomorrow, or game day, and (laughs) I, I can't say it. Everybody's good to go. Okay, you'll see the the axe when we get there. Did you see what happened with Kelsey? Yeah, yeah, it was right in front of me. Yep. Hyperextended his knee. Yep. Anything else? Okay, good. A very brief uh, addressing. <laughs> Pretty happy to get out of there. Yeah, that Andrew. was the fastest I've seen Andy Reid move in quite some time, <laughs> I got to admit. And once or another reminder, Kelsey Drafters, you drink free today. I mean, Jay, this is a fantasy nightmare, I would call it, when you're looking at the opener. Now, you know, obviously there are solutions, and we'll get to that in a second. I know Matthew posted some of them on Instagram already. Uh, but what is just your entire take on this situation? I mean, the fact that it's a hyperextended name, like that's not, that's not an in, that's the description of what happened to it. It's not a description of the actual injury and the mechanism. Like, right. is it a bone bruise? Is it a PCL? Seems like ACL has been ruled out. Yes. That was the absolute intact. doomsday scenario. So I think that the most likely outcome is that I don't think he's going to play uh, on Thursday night, and the betting market uh, believes that as well. So the line has moved towards Detroit. Uh, I think it's probably going to be a one- to two-week thing, but we're just guessing at this point. Matthew, from a pure fantasy roster standpoint, how do you handle this situation? Besides monitoring Kelsey, what is your backup strategy if you are somebody that took him in the first round of a fantasy draft? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I talked about this, and honestly, it obviously depends on your league settings. First off, I agree with Jay. Uh, I think it's unlikely that he plays. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but my expectation here is it is not. 
uh, to Jay's point, by the way, it opened at minus six and a half. It's now Chiefs minus four and a half, and the total has dropped down to 52 and a half, where it opened at 55. So um, certainly the betting markets do not think Kelsey's going to play, and it has a negative effect on the Chiefs offense, which is sort of obvious there, right? Um, what I would say is what the way I'm approaching this is like if you're picking a Chiefs tight end to start in place of Kelsey, I think it's Noah Gray, who, you know, had some success at college, has, you know, had moments with the Chiefs as well. Remember, 31% of Mahomes' pass attempts last year went to the tight end position. Obviously, a lot of that is dictated because Travis Kelsey is, well, Travis Kelsey. All of that said, I'm probably not picking up Noah Gray unless I absolutely have to, and it's just a crazy deep league. What I would like to do is... If you have an IR spot, okay, great. Then you can um, then you can put Kelsey into the IR spot and see who's available on your waiver wire. Our ranks, our week one ranks are up on NBCSports.com. You can sort of see who's the highest available player in your league. There's some guys out there that I think are, are interesting. By the way, if Mark Andrews misses, and we'll see if he practices today, but if Mark Andrews misses the game, Isaiah likely against Houston becomes really interesting. But what I would do is if I don't have an IR spot, so if I have an IR spot that's easy, then you just pick kind of the best available that's in your league, and you'll check out our rankings. But if you don't have an IR spot, then here's, here's what I'm doing. I'm not panic-dropping somebody good on my team to pick up a one-week rental at tight end. What I would do is, is I would sort of ride it out. I would keep Telsey in my starting tight end spot, assuming he's your only tight end. And then I would sort of see how Sunday plays out, right? Because... There's a chance, we, we, luckily, he, since he plays Thursday night, there's a chance that, in essence, you dominate on Sunday anyway and you don't need to replace your tight end position. Or, conversely, you get your butt kicked and it doesn't matter who you'd have in the tight end position. If it gets into Sunday night or Monday night football and you're like, hey, I need a tight end, then hopefully you've configured your roster so that there is somebody that you can drop and then you go pick up you know, somebody that's available in the Sunday night game. Waller's obviously taken in your game, but uh, Jake Ferguson, the rookie tight end for the Cowboys, he's probably available in your league. You think about the Monday night game. Dawson Knox is, Knox is available in about 70% of Yahoo League, so my expectation is, is he'd be out there for Monday night. Dalton Kincaid probably taken, but in case he wasn't drafting your league, you can look at Kincaid for the Bills as well, and then Tyler Conklin on the Jets side. So that's what I would do if I didn't have an IR spot. I would sort of wait to see how Sunday played off and not drop somebody good for a one-week rental. If we find out in the next day or two that it's going to be a multi-week injury for Travis Kelsey, and so far the reports are positive, ACL's intact, they just, there's some, you know, um, some tightness in the knee, and they're just waiting to sort of for the swelling to go down. Assuming that's the case, great. But if it's going to be a multi-week injury, then you can pick up Noah Gray, who suddenly becomes a, you know, a high-end tight end, too, for me. Jay, outside of who this directly impacts, which is, of course, Travis Kelsey, when you look at the rest of the Chiefs' offense, I mean, this is a lot of volume to go around if Kelsey doesn't play, whether it's the target share, the touchdown equity. Where do you think the ball starts to go from Mahomes in this offense? Because a lot of people might say, hey, maybe just Noah Gray comes in and takes that over. But he's not going to take over the full workload that Kelsey gives from the tight end position. As we show the Chiefs' career receiving touchdowns of guys on that roster right now, it's really Kelsey with a whopper there at 85, MVS at 18, and then guys that haven't hit double digits. Yeah, we saw in the playoffs when uh, the Chiefs were seeing all their pass catches go down that MVS kind of became the guy as just the the entrenched vet who Mahomes had a good rapport with. I think we're going to see a lot more Sky Moore this season. We'll see what Kadarius Toney uh, and his health is doing. But I think what they're going to do more is just run the ball. Because the Lions had a terrible rushing defense last year. 
We've seen the Chiefs in the second half of the season using Pacheco more. So I think it'll be a big Pacheco game. I have more confidence in that than any of those guys individually stepping up on Thursday night. Barry, what about you? How do you look at this group? Especially, you know, you have somebody like Jerick McKinnon that showed how much of an impact he can have on the pass game for this offense as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think actually you see a decent amount of McKinnon. It's weird. Uh, we know how Pacheco gets used. And also Clyde edwards Elaire played a more than you would think in the preseason. So I wonder if it's kind of a three-headed monster and they just go run heavy in this game. Look, it's going to be a lot of guys. My expectation is is that the starting pass catchers, you know, you're going to have Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and then, you know, maybe, you know, Justin Watson and Richie James out there as well. Uh, Justin Ross, he'll have like, you know, a a little bit of a package um, as well. You'll get a package for Kadarius Toney. It is, as always, going to be death by a thousand cuts when you face the Chiefs. If I had to pick somebody, I'm picking Sky Moore. That would be the guy that I would want to play against uh, the Lions on Thursday night. Again, if I'm starting a tight end for the Chiefs, I think it's Noah Gray. But, yeah, I like, McK- I like McKinnon and Pacheco. And on a one-game slate, if you're playing DFS, you know, maybe even Clyde Edwards-Elair as a dart throw, uh, as a cheap dart throw. But, uh Sky Moore would be the guy that I would the guy that I would pick if I had to pick a Chiefs pass catcher not named Travis Kelsey. Of course, we will keep a close eye. But it's, on this, it's all dicey. This yeah. situation, and we will be back on tomorrow, hopefully with more of an update on Kelsey's status. Let's get into your ten bold predictions here, Barry, for 2023. And Jay, you're gonna love with what number one starts with here. Number one is Sam Howell finishes as a top ten quarterback. Shocker. Absolutely floored uh, by this one that Matthew would be high on Sam Howell. At the same time, I don't mind it just relative to ADP. And we spoke about this a little bit last week about how all the buzz is about Anthony Richardson right now and what he's going to do. But the fact is, is that Sam Howell ran more in college. He was more accurate as a passer in college. I think he's got better weapons than Anthony Richardson. So you just kind of add it all up. And I know Richardson is more of an unknown, so there's more upside there and there's more that's untapped. But I think the gap between those two in terms of their perception is a little bit too wide right now. First off, just thank you, Jay, for saying all those nice things about Sam Howell. I know that absolutely killed you to do so. Um, uh, My only request going forward is, again, please refer to him by his proper name, future Hall of Famer. Sam Howell is how you can refer to him. But, like, my expectation, again, it's just the rushing, right? I mean, we've seen this before. Like, it it is the rushing over 1,100 yards, a senior in college, which you referenced, Jay. Pretty good weapons. I also think this is – and this is just a narrative-based thing. But in addition to having the weapons uh, around him with McLaurin and Dotson, and it looks like McLaurin is uh, looking like he's got a pretty good chance to play in week one, and then Curtis Samuel and the running backs – Plus his rushing. The other thing is, is I think you've got Eric Bieniemy as his play caller. And maybe I'm crazy. I know I have no inside knowledge on this. This is just a gut call. That Eric Bieniemy has heard all the chatter. Hey, you're just an Andy Reid protege. Hey, Andy Reid's the one who deserves all the credit. Eric Bieniemy wait, wait, has continues to wait a long time to be a head coach in the NFL. So he's moved out of Kansas City. Now he's gonna he's calling the plays. I feel like Eric Bieniemy wants to make a statement. My expectation is, is that it's an aggressive offense, that it's, it's a down-the-field offense. So I think it's not going to be conservative. They're gonna, it's not going to be a run-heavy, you know, plotting kind of offense that we've seen in previous years for the commanders. So, yeah, future Hall of Famer Sam Howell starts the, starts the campaign this year as a top-10 fantasy quarterback. That is bold prediction number one. 
Another bold prediction coming out of the NFC East, of course. Number two is Tony Pollard finishes as the RB1 in fantasy, fantasy this year, Barry. Yeah, I'm not even sure it's all that bold, right? I mean, I just think the problem is, is that you know, people, like, there was some hype and then it just sort of died down for whatever reason. Like, he's on the cover of the Rotor World Draft Guide for a reason. 13 career games where, he where he's gotten at least 15 touches, right? 13 career games where he's gotten at least 15 touches. Uh, he averages 19.6 fantasy points per game. That would have been RB3 last year. Obviously, with no Ezekiel Elliott there and not a lot behind him, Rico Dowdle, Deuce Vaughn. Like, the expectation here is that Tony Pollard is going to touch the ball at least 15 times a game, if not more. Mike McCarthy has said he wants to run. This is a guy who was the second-best running back in fantasy for, from weeks 8 through 16 last year. So he needs to put it together through an all-season. But number one running back in fantasy is within the range of outcomes for Tony Pollard. I honestly don't even know if it's that bald, bold. Uh, I'm bald, but uh, that's bold. Uh, but anyway, Tony Pollard, RB1, is bold prediction number two. Jay, as you see Pollard here in Tier 2, with only in this tier, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, and Bijan Robinson ahead of him. Of course, Austin Eckler and McCaffrey are in Tier 1. Really, what's in the way for Tony Pollard to not finish as the top running back? Because we've seen him be an absolute star on weeks that Zeke Elliott was down. We know the Cowboys usually have a pretty good offensive line, and they've added some young talent to it over the years. And they are a team under Mike McCarthy that we think is going to want to run the football. Yeah, I think the only thing that is stopping him is what stops most running backs, which is health. And we do kind of forget with Paul that he did break his leg. He didn't break his leg last time we saw him. So he's got to show that he's 100% over that, which he should be. But I think just the fact that last year, he basically did nothing the last two weeks of the season. Didn't play week 17. Week 18 was a meaningless game for the Cowboys. Did nothing there. Still finished as running back eight on the season with Ezekiel Elliott taking so many of his carries. So I think the Pollard... I would be taking him over guys like Saquon Barkley, and I'd be comfortable taking him over, you know, Derrick Henry, those types of players. I just think that his upside as a receiver in that offense is just so explosive. Barry, this time another prediction for a player in Tier 2, but this player in Tier 2 of wide receivers, and that is Chris Alave, who was one of the runner-ups for Offensive Rookie of the Year last year, had a massive target share for the Saints and gets an upgrade in quarterback in Derek Carr. You wrote for number 3, Chris Alave finishes as a top 5 wide receiver this season. Yeah, look, I'm at wide receiver 12, but I think he makes the leap. From week two on last year, almost a 29% target share. He's played 11 games last year where he got at least uh, six targets, average over 15 fantasy points per game. While I know Jay Croucher continues to insist how good Michael Thomas is going to be and how many targets Michael Thomas is going to get and just how awesome Michael Thomas is going to be this year for the Saints, I just personally... I'm a Chris Olave fan of the receiving core of New Orleans. And so Derek Carr, who we've talked about a lot, really good at throwing the deep ball. He's got uh, he's very good top five in the NFL last two years in deep ball completion percentage uh, and uh, deep ball pass attempt rate. Um, my expectation here is that Olave takes that next step. And, you know, I think most people are thinking of him as a good wide receiver, too. And I think at this time next year, we'll be talking about him as a wide receiver one. Jay, would you draft Olave over any of these other guys in Tier 2 as he sits behind, of course, Ryder Die, Monroe St. Brown, Devontae Adams, CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown, Garrett Wilson, and Jalen Waddell, and just T. Higgins and Devontae Smith after him here in Tier 2? Yeah, I mean, I think you can make the case. I would take him on Ra and CeeDee Lamb over Olave, but I might take Olave over everyone else in that tier. And I think the two things with Olave, one, he was second in the league last year for average depth of target, and that was with, like, Andy Dalton. Like, Derek Carr should, as Matthew outlined, be more helpful on the deep ball front. 
And then secondly, he was seventh in the league for average yards per route run last year, in between basically Devontae Adams uh, and Cooper Cup. So, I mean, he was a monster last year. I think he should have been right there neck and neck with Garrett Wilson for offensive rookie of the year. He's just kind of obscured a bit in New Orleans in a weird season for them. But I, I think Olave is a monster who could absolutely be top five. Number four here, Jay. Bijan Robinson rushes for 2,000 yards. This show at times has given Arthur Smith a pretty tough time, especially for the usage or lack thereof of Kyle Pitts last year. But there, if we know anything about Arthur Smith with his days in Tennessee and Derrick Henry is that he can force feed a running back like no other. He can. I don't think he's going to get 2,000 yards rushing just because of Algier and Cordell Patterson and the fact that he's a rookie, but I think he could absolutely get 2,000 yards from scrimmage. And I also think that he could get you know 1,500-plus rushing yards, win the rushing title. Uh, I think that like right now he's 50-1 to 1 to an offensive player of the year. To me, that's way too big. That's just because he's a rookie. I mean, if he has the best case, he'll just win that award. Uh, so I think the Bijan, yeah, I mean, he's got all the upside in the world. Is he a value when you look at the rushing leader odds, which are obviously led by guys like Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry. Uh, I mean, I think they're a little dated when Jonathan Taylor is still in the mix. That'll be updated, of course. But then Bijan, those are big expectations with him basically being number three realistically realistically on this list at plus 1,000. Yeah, I don't really like the plus 1,000 odds here. Again, I think it's just you're better off backing 50 to 1 to an offensive player of the year. The calculation there is, is Bijan Robinson a 1 in 5 chance to win offensive player of the year if he wins the rushing title? I absolutely think that he is. Uh, so I think that 50 to 1 OPO is a bit better, but he, he's in the mix to win the rushing title, uh, but I think that Chubb and Henry probably have the edge there. Barry, when you look at this bold prediction, of course, Bijan rushing for 2,000 yards, do you have confidence Arthur Smith will be able to contain himself and not give too many carries to a guy like Tyler Algier, who did have over 1,000 yards last season as a rookie? I have zero confidence that Arthur <laughs> Smith will uh, you know, contain himself, and do. but if, I don't think it's going to matter, is, is my point. is Again, the Falcons led the NFL in running back rushing yards last year. They had the second most running back carries. And so uh, I'm thinking, hopefully, that even if Algier gets eight, ten touches a game, that there's enough volume there for B. John Robinson. I agree with Jay. I think 2,000 yards from scrimmage is a much more, much, obviously, more likely outcome than 2,000 rushing yards for B. John Robinson. Derrick Henry in two seasons under Arthur Smith had over 1,500 yards uh, as well. And obviously, that was a very run-heavy offense. But, you know, listen, they're bold predictions. The fact of the matter is, is that the idea with bold predictions is never for me to nail the bold prediction, but merely to sort of plant a flag on people that I have a strong uh, opinion about. And I'm a big fan of Bijan Robinson. Well, Barry, this next one we get a very early look at because this duo will be on the debut of the NFL season on Thursday night on NBC, of course. Number five, both Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery finish as top 15 running backs. Yeah, look, I, I think as you look at sort of how the Lions are constructed, right? I mean, they, they have a really good offensive line. They have, you know, kind of an old-school football coach, right? Ben Johnson, is, as the offense coordinator, is, is much more modern. But Dan Campbell, you know, we're going to bite your kneecaps off, right? He's Mr. He's Mr. Rough and Tumble, and I think that's what they want to do, especially when you think about their passing game that really, you know, has a rookie tight end, has Marvin Jones, who's towards the end of his career. Josh Reynolds has never been nothing more than a wide receiver four or five. Jameson Williams is out for the first six games. And then, of course, they've got my rider, Diamond Ross St. Brown. I think this is going to be a run-heavier team than people expect. And so between those two guys, kind of a thunder and lightning, if you will, uh, with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, both guys 
Montgomery with the touchdowns, Gibbs with the pass catching. Both guys have a path to top 15 potential this year. So that's the bold prediction there. Both guys, I think both guys are values in drafts this year, and I think both guys uh, finish the year as a top 15 fantasy running back. That's bold prediction number five. Yeah, and the fact that what is happening with the Chiefs right now, that's just an extra boon for them. I mean, it's, it's incredible. The Lions are likely going to get the Chiefs without Chris Jones, without Travis Kelsey. Those two guys combined are worth uh, close to a field goal for the line. The line got to seven at one point. Now, as Matthew noted, down to four and a half. And so that's just going to help Jameer Gibbs and Dave Montgomery this week in particular. And I think with Gibbs, you can see usage. I've said this before on this show, comparable to what Alvin Kamara was during his best, during his peak uh, with the Saints in terms of the usage in the pass game where you don't get scared of drafting David Montgomery where his ADP is because the touchdown equity and the red zone usage and just the run in between the tackles in between the 20s. So I like that one a lot, Barry, one of my favorites. Number six here, uh, Jay, this is something we've talked about really since we've come back on the air at the end of July, early August. Anthony Richardson finishes as a top five quarterback. I feel like this one has crept up a little bit, maybe to 12, maybe to eight. Barry, for a bold prediction here, of course, goes with Richardson finishing as a top five quarterback. If he did that, and I know fantasy doesn't always correlate with awards, but doesn't it feel like he'd be right in the mix to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, even with Bijan being the runaway favorite? Certainly the tiebreak always goes to the quarterback if it's close, just because of the importance of the position. I think the Richardson, like he does have so much upside because we saw what Justin Fields did last year, where I don't think Justin Fields was as good as his numbers last year, but he rode the variance of being a running quarterback and just having these 60, 70-yard runs all the time. And Anthony Richardson, uh, he's going to be a player who, I mean, he's, he's going to be their primary rusher a lot of the time until Jonathan Taylor comes back, if he does at all. So certainly a lot of scope. And the other thing about Richardson is just, we just haven't seen that much of him and his skill set. Unlike guys like Stroud and Bryce Young, who just had so many more pass attempts in games in college than Richardson had. So I think that Richardson, he is someone who could, who could rock it up. Barry, do you think the uh, current IR situation for Jonathan Taylor and us having no idea where that situation goes actually elevates Richardson a little bit in fantasy because of how much the goal line work and overall rushing work will be put on his shoulders in Shane Sykin's offense? Yeah, that's part of the thought process here, obviously, right? Is that, like, their best option, one, two, and three, is somehow involving Anthony Richardson, whether it's throwing the ball, whether it's running the ball, whether it's running the ball when they get in close. And and so, yeah, I mean, like, will he duck? The question is, will he, like, sort of duck it and run the way Justin Fields did, right, for those 60-, 70-yard runs? Because Anthony Richardson has that kind of ability. He has that kind of speed. The question is whether he will do that because that has not always been his tendency in college to do that. But I believe that without Jonathan Taylor there – and wanting to keep things um, simple for Richardson as develops as a, as a passer, the expectation here is, is that he runs more than not. And just, again, like this is somebody who could have double-digit rushing touchdowns because of the lack of Jonathan Taylor and the lack of other weapons on that team. So, again, bold prediction time. Top five is tough to get to, but, you know, Richardson certainly has that within his range of outcomes. Bold prediction number seven. Matthew, we go back to your commanders for this one. Jahan Dotson outscores Terry McLaurin. That's another one that I don't think is really that bold if you sort of look at it. We talked about this. Final five weeks last year, almost a 24% target share. He had three touchdowns in that stretch. He was the 17th best wide receiver in fantasy football again over the final five games. We've talked about how scoring touchdowns is a skill. His first four games as a rookie, he scored four touchdowns. And now second year with future Hall of Famer Sam Howell under center throwing him the ball. Terry McLaurin already a little bit banged up here. 
Jahan Dotson, who was a first-round draft pick and not a shocking first-round draft pick. I mean, when he went, he was expected to. He had a first-round grade, uh, first grade by every draft uh, analyst that I talked to. I believe you as well, Connor, also had Dotson with a first-round grade last year. So the talent is there, and I think the opportunity will be there this year for him to outscore Terry McLaurin, who, by the way, remains one of my favorite wide receivers in the NFL. I feel like people talk more about Jameson Williams than they do Jahan Dotson. Jameson Williams has one catch in his NFL career. Jahan Dotson caught seven touchdowns yeah. last year. So I think that he is a guy who's just a little bit slept on because people weren't really, you know, outside of Matthew, weren't just watching the Commanders last right. year and just didn't realize uh, how dynamic he was. And draft and he, status. Yeah, and he, yeah. Did, he did make an impact. So I think that's very possible, particularly given that McLaurin's already banged up. All right, number eight here, Jay. Both Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook finish as top 20 running backs. So earlier we had the Lions duo of Montgomery and Gibbs finishing top 15 for a bold prediction. This bold prediction, Brees and Dalvin. We know both are coming off of injury. Brees' season was ended with a torn knee. Dalvin Cook uh, came to camp late, not only because of when he signed the contract, but the shoulder injury. But I think the bottom line is, Jay, this Jets offense is going to use both of them. And honestly, there will be plenty of times where both are on the field at the same time. Yeah, I know. Look, it's a bold prediction, and I don't think this one is going to happen just because the Jets, they have an incredibly difficult schedule, particularly at the start of the season, so I'm not sure they're going to be running the ball an absolute ton. Uh, but I do think, I do agree with the sentiment that they should be bunched together more than the rankings suggest currently in terms of, or ADP suggests currently rather, and Brees is going RB17, Cook RB28. I mean, they paid Cook. They paid him a lot of money, right. and they're going to ease Brees in. I think there's a good chance that Dalvin Cook ends up being the number one running back from a fantasy perspective season long over Brees. Barry, with a lot of unknown around the usage of Brees earlier in the season, and all of us have thought that it'll be a ramp up, not thrown back into the fire. How is your process of just projecting the usage of each of these guys in the same offense? Honestly, you know, the only thing I can do is look back to the 2021 season when Nathaniel Hackett was the offense coordinator for Aaron Rodgers. That's the last two these last time these two were together, and they had two talented running backs in Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. And that year, uh, Aaron Jones, 15 touches a game, was the running back 11. AJ Dillon, 13 touches a game, was running back 31. Now. Dalvin Cook, I think, is going to catch the ball more than A.J. Dillon did that year. I also think there's going to be more touchdown equity because I think the team's going to be offense. They're going to be uh, in scoring position more often. Brees Hall, I think, has more explosiveness or hopefully will have more explosiveness um, uh, in the second half of the season. So the, the idea of them being uh, top 20 running backs is that that they go fairly run heavy at taking some pressure off Rodgers. Rodgers allows them to be a much better um, offensive team. They'll be in scoring position more often. And because the defense, I think you'll, and the division they play in, there'll be some grinded out games where both guys get a decent amount of touches. So again, Dalvin Cook, who last year had over 1,300 yards from scrimmage, he's had four straight years of at least 1,100 rushing yards. He's the only running back in the NFL that can say that. Four straight years of at least 1,100 or more rushing yards. Expectation here is that both guys wind up as top 20 running backs because they're both involved in the passing game and they both should score a decent amount in a pretty good offense. I'm with you. I think we see a lot of two back sets and a lot of two tight end sets from new Jets offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, who is used to having two very capable running backs. Number nine here, Barry, another late summer running back signing, and that is this bold prediction, Ezekiel Elliott scores 10 rushing touchdowns for the Patriots this year. Yeah, I mean, look, there's not there's some things that Ezekiel Elliott at this point in his career doesn't do well, right, in terms of the pass catching, 
but uh, you know, in terms of the breakaway speed or anything like that. But he's still incredibly good when you get in close. Last year, top five in touchdown rate on carries inside the five-yard line among 25 most used running backs. Ramondre Stevenson outside the top 20 in that same stat. So I think it's one of the reasons that they brought him in there. Like, I think there's a scenario where Ezekiel Elliott is like this year's LeGarrette Blunt in that offense where, again, they like to run when they get in close. Bill Belichick has traditionally. Zeke is one of, still one of the best finishes around the goal line that is in the NFL. And so Ramondre gets them there, and then Zeke cashes it in. Double-digit rushing touchdowns, I think, for Zeke is in the mix. Remember, this is a guy who had, uh, was top four in the NFL in terms of rushing touchdowns among running backs last year. He had 12. I, I don't know. I, yeah, it's a bold prediction, but yeah, give me double-digit touchdowns for Ezekiel Elliott this year. Jay, and I think there's something, too, that as much as we love the talent of Ramondre Stevenson, New England might not want to run him into the ground again, especially he's a guy that's had some injury in college, had some injury with a workload last season that was pretty significant. It feels like Zeke is not brought there just to maybe block in pass protection and get the occasional goal line handoff. He could have a real role with what we think will be a run-heavy, protect-the-ball offense. Yeah, I think so. And Belichick has been very conservative uh, with offenses the past few years. And I think that... You know, with Ramondre, like you said, he has been banked up. He's on the injury report a lot the back end of last year. Uh, wasn't at full strength. It, there is one weird thing, though, where I think there's a perception that Damian Harris was the goal line back last year. He wasn't. Ramondre Stevenson had 75% uh, of the goal line carries last year just head-to-head versus Harris. So that'll need to change. I think it will change just because Zeke was probably... He's probably signed there for a reason and there were some assurances about role. Uh, so, yeah, I think... Uh, in an, a, a very annoying way, Zeke could get to double-digit touchdowns. Our last bold prediction here, number 10, Jay. Luke Musgrave finishes as a top 10 tight end. We've seen rookie tight ends traditionally struggle in terms of production. There are some outliers there. But to Barry's point of how he probably got here, Musgrave not only has pass-catching talent, but he played with the starters throughout all of the preseason in offense that isn't loaded with guys that you know demand a huge target volume. Yeah, I think with these bold predictions, what you want is upside and variance. And someone like Luke Musgrave is kind of the epitome of that, where he's young, which just gives you upside and variance. He's in an offense where we don't really know anything about the quarterback and how good he's going to be. We don't really know anything about the wide receivers and how good they're going to be. We think Christian Watson is going to be the guy, but he's not as established as, you know, Devontae Adams was a couple of years ago. Romeo Dobbs, we think, will have a bigger role, but we're not sure either. So there is a lot of uh, canvas for Luke Musgrave to, to emerge as a guy. Barry, is Luke Musgrave your top rookie tight end right now in terms of rankings, or is he still sitting behind somebody maybe like Dalton Kincaid or Sam Laporta that we've seen go pretty early in drafts so far? No, no, listen, I'm not crazy. I have, I have Kincaid the highest ranked among rookie tight ends this year. That said, to your point about preseason usage, right? I mean, he played basically every snap with the starters. Uh, he had, you know, uh, an almost 70% route participation uh, when the starters were out there as well. We talked about this outside of Christian Watson. There's no one that demands targets. He is a side speed, uh, He is a size and speed freak who will be a matchup nightmare. And so on an emerging offense, like I just think the amount of volume and opportunity for him, what do we talk about? Fantasy success comes from talent and opportunity. We think Luke Musgrave has talent, and I think he's also going to have opportunity on an offense that needs some playmakers. So, yeah, um, you know, the other thing here is is that the sneaky thing is is to be a top 10 fantasy tight end 
it doesn't take much. The production is so brutal that it does, like, you just have to more or less have a pulse. And so I think with a little bit of touchdown luck, Luke Musgrave can get there. He's one of my favorite late-round flyers in terms of just total upside. I have a ton of Luke Musgrave, including in our league, Jay and Connor. And I think it says something. The Packers in this same draft, pretty close in rounds, drafted a high upside pass catching tight end in Luke, Luke Musgrave, and then a blocking, more of a blocking tight end in Tucker Craft. So a very defined role upcoming for Luke Musgrave in his rookie season. With that, we are going to go to our first break. But when we're back, we're looking at the hardest week one players to rank. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Here's your chance to win a VIP trip for two to watch a live taping of the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. Go behind the scenes, meet the crew, and get a front row seat to all the fantasy insights and debates to help you win your league. Live from the NBC Sports studio. Enter now at NBCSports.com slash Barry Sweeps. The contest ends September 10th. Also, Jay, I don't know if you knew, this is a little fun fact for you for today's show. This is the last day you can use J10 or Connor 5 promo codes for the Roto World Draft Guide. And apparently, Matthew, Jay and I are tied right now for the amount of promo That's codes right. that have been used. Yeah, there's been a little uh, surge. Yeah, I... People are comparing it to yeah, the Seattle a... Mariners and the AL West, really making a run. J10 is coming back from the dead to tie you up, Connor, and uh, coming for the crown. A little weird, to be perfectly honest. All the uh, there's a there's well, it's a it's a there's a big Australian contingent, mm. is what I've found. I've, I, there's a lot of bots from Australia Come that on. have bought um, uh, the Roto World Draft Guide using promo code J10. The only thing that I can think here is is that you know promo code Lawrence One has sort of like you know skewed it, much like you know these obscure third third party candidates for president where they 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 uh, they they skew the race. No one's actually really voting for them, but it turns just enough votes to uh, make this a close race. So yes, do me a favor out there, whether it's promo code J10 or Connor Five. Buy the Roto World Draft Guide today. Make this a decision. Choose your fighter wisely, uh, if you will, by the way. In the middle of the guillotine draft that we're doing, we're doing a show league, guillotine league, and uh, Alexa, who once again, by the way, 
took my ride or die. You remember last year, she, took, she picked one spot ahead of me. She took Jalen Hurts in the first round. This year, somehow the fantasy gods put her one spot ahead of me in the draft. And, of course, she took Amon Ross St. Brown in the first round. But um, uh, I am up right now. I need, another cor- I need another running back again. Guillotine, it's about... It's not about upside. It's about floor. You just want somebody that's not going to lose you the week. So he is completely unexciting, but I think the volume will be there. Give me some Cam Akers who uh, should get some nice volume for the Rams. He might be the only thing guy they got. He, you know, like he might average, you know, 2.5 yards per carry, but he might touch it 35 times a yep. game. So um, anyway, Cam Akers is now a member. Connor, you're up, by the way. All just right. heads up. There you All go. Right. No save me a text. I just, I just want to point out that Matthew is the first person to ever compare promo code Lawrence One to uh, Ralph Nader <laughs> and uh, his political campaigns. But uh, yeah, anyway, let's go to running backs. All right, hardest to rank for the week. Of course, we start with running backs, uh, and these are the hardest running backs to rank for the week. As we look at, of course, Javante Williams, who comes in at RB twenty four against the Raiders. Isaiah Pacheco, who comes in as RB thirty two against the Lions. Brees Hall, RB thirty seven. He will be playing the bills on monday night football and then of course barry the freaking eagles backfield that we just it's so hard to decipher where this thing is going probably for the entire year until somebody deals with an unfortunate injury or two yeah i mean like as we go through this right with javante williams like how much does samaj p ryan uh play like jamel mclaughlin has been an unbelievable story this preseason the rookie the undrafted rookie so is it a three-headed monster there in Denver. We just don't know how healthy Javante Williams is. Remember, he played under 60% of snaps in his in two of the three full games that he played last year as a fully healthy rookie. Javante Williams played under 60% of the snaps. So how much does he play? We talked about Pacheco earlier. We were talking about Kelsey in terms of him versus uh, McKinnon. CEH got more work in the preseason than we expected. And again, with Brees Hall, uh, you know, we know they want to ease him in slowly and they have Dalvin Cook. So how much do you with any of these and then, of course, with the Eagles running backs, it's a, it's a little bit of choose your fighter. You just, you just have no idea. You're kind of picking a dart. We just The usage was all over the place in the preseason. We've seen the usage kind of inconsistent last year, although Miles Sanders was the head of that committee. We don't know whether it's going to be Swift or Penny or, weirdly, Kenneth Gainwell. Um, so picking which Eagles running back to rank the highest is tough. Where you put Hall and Pacheco and Javante Williams were the biggest, toughest questions for me as I approached my week one ranks. I think there are two types of really difficult situations. One is the injury pitch counts, which is uh, Brace Hall and Javante Williams. Then two is the committees, uh, which the Eagles are clearly. To me, the interesting thing with Kansas City and Pacheco is this Clyde edwards thing. Because we forget, like, everyone was super down on CH going into last year. And then the first month of the season, CH was a real thing. He scored five touchdowns. It was a little bit unsustainable. And then he just fell off a cliff. He got hurt. He wasn't really part of things by the end. But I don't know. Maybe CH does come in and get seven, eight carries and really mess things up. Maybe this is just how they like to go into the season. Yeah. I mean, a former first-round pick, they want to keep everybody afloat because the Chiefs know more so than anybody they are going to play another long NFL season when you look at their potential playoff road. Where, listen, Pacheco, you look at that at first, you're like, man, that feels low for him, especially against the Lions' run defense, yeah. which should be better, but it hasn't been proven yet. But you're right, Jay, the CEH problem being there is very interesting. How about the wide receivers, the most difficult wide receivers to rank 
for week one as we look at them here. Somebody that goes in the first round of nearly every draft that is in Superflex, Stephon Diggs. He comes in as wide receiver 10 against the Jets as he will see plenty of sauce Gardner. The Jets don't move their corners, but he saw a lot of sauce last year in two matchups. Terry McLaurin, who of course is dealing with a turf toe injury and is considered day-to-day. He comes in as wide receiver 28, although that matchup against Arizona, of course, is a juicy one. And then Michael Pittman there, Jay, at wide receiver 32 against Jacksonville. We just don't know a lot about what this Colts offense is going to want to do in week one. No, we don't. And to me, Stefan Diggs is the most interesting one because you have to start Stefan yes. Diggs. Everyone is starting Stefan Diggs in every league. But I thought one of the, mo- the sneaky, most incredible things about last season was the second time the Bills played the Jets, the Bills were using Diggs as a decoy on Source Gardner. They were just like, we're just not throwing in Source's direction at all. We'll figure out the rest of the offense there. So, I mean, I guess for our purposes, it doesn't matter because you're starting Diggs. Uh, we should get more clarity on McLaurin as we get closer to game time. And then Michael Pittman, I think he's just the guy who you can be pretty comfortable starting as your flex, low-end uh, wide receiver too. Uh, so, I mean, he's a guy I think for the most part you can be comfortable starting. Barry, when you look at McLaurin, as that's a situation we are watching literally day-to-day, what is the range of the bump that Jahan Dotson gets in the rankings if McLaurin is unfortunately ruled out the situation? I'm not asking for an exact spot, but is it five spots higher, ten spots higher, or am I crazy? If I knew... Terry McLaurin was not playing. Dotson is easy top 20 wide receiver this week with, you know, top 15 upside. The concern here is with McLaurin specifically, right, is even if he plays, how much does he play? Is he on a limited snap count? By the way, the over-under in this game is 38. It's the lowest on the slate. And by the way, we don't expect, whether it's Josh Dobbs or Clayton Toon under center for the Cardinals, we don't expect them to come in and put up a lot of points. If Washington gets up big in the first half, do they say, hey, Terry, let's, let's take it easy, even if he's not on a, a pitch count? Like, if they're winning big here, like, do they, you know, so just in terms of is he going to play, how much is he going to play, how much are the commanders going to need to throw in a game that we think they should ha- uh, easily beat the Arizona Cardinals, at least I do. You know, and you mentioned Stefan Diggs, right? The Jets also allowed passing touchdowns at the lowest rate last year. Now, Obviously, everyone is starting Stefan Diggs, but it's certainly between that and Sauce Gardner makes you a little bit nervous as well. And we just we've got no idea what this Colts offense is going to look like, specifically how much are they going to pass? There's an there's an in theory that when they do pass, it's going to go to Michael Pittman. But Michael Pittman was wasn't Michael Pittman last year. And so especially in his first game in a game in which they're playing, I think, a pretty good Jaguars defense. You're a little bit nervous about Michael Pittman. The other one that wasn't mentioned there in terms of toughest to rank, similar to the Eagles' backfield, is the Baltimore wide receivers. Is it Zay Flowers? Is it Odell Beckham Jr.? Is it Rashad Bateman? They play the Ravens, right? Um, And we don't know about the health of Mark Andrews. So if Mark Andrews is out, you'd think all of them – I'm sorry, they don't play the Ravens. They play the Texans. Uh, The Ravens play the Texans. So in theory, a pretty good matchup, but they could also just get up big and be running a lot in the second half. My expectation is is that Todd Munkin's going to want to show off this new offense. Lamar Jackson's going to want to get out there and really light it up. But one of those guys, I bet you one of those guys has a big game. I just The problem is, is trying to decipher from the preseason usage and everything we've heard which one of those Ravens wide receivers ends up having a big game against the Texans. That takes us to the hardest tight ends to rank for week one. And no surprise, Barry, who sits at the top, a player that drove a lot of people absolutely crazy last season in Kyle Pitts who comes in at tight end seven. Uh, They will play the Panthers and Dalton Kincaid. The rookie first-rounder for the Bills comes in at tight end 25 against a tough Jets defense here. What did uh, Barry, what do you expect for Pitts, especially after such up-and-down usage? 
following a promising rookie season. But now he's also got plenty of the football to share with Drake London in year two. And, of course, B. John Robinson, another top ten pick added to this offense. Right, a divisional game against the Carolina Panthers who have a better defense than I think they get credit for. But, like, there's, a, there's the argument to be made, like, listen, he didn't get the, any looks last year. Now they added Bijan Robinson. He's not going to get any looks, right? This is the guy who had 12 fantasy points or under in 21 of 27 career games. I mean, think about that. 21 of 27 career games, he's had 12 points or less. Having said that, you could also make the argument defenses are not going to have to focus on Bijan Robinson and Drake Lennon will take some coverage. So maybe Kyle Pitts gets freed up and he gets some usage. So wide range of outcomes. We also don't really know what Desmond Ritter is going to look like. We had a small sample size last year, year two in the system. We hope he's better. We don't know for sure. So Kyle Pitts is very tough. And then again, we have high expectations for Dalton Kincaid. But again, to your point, tough matchup and a lot of weapons for Josh Allen, especially in, in this. You've got Dawson Knox there as well. You know, they've got Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs. They've got the running back. So um, really tough to rank each one of those guys. I think on pits, a big thing in betting is being able to just avoid recency bias and throw out overreactions that aren't based on enough that is solid. And I think Kyle Pitts, two years ago, he was drafted as a generational tight end prospect, number four in the draft. And then his rookie season, he, he delivered. He had 110 targets. He was over 1,000 receiving yards. Didn't get any, he got one touchdown, uh, which is, I think, a bit fluky. And then last year was just the disaster. And so are there reasons why that's not real? And I think there is one reason it cannot be real. It's Marcus Mariota. He's not very good. I mean, do you think Pitts got worse last year, Connor? No, I think it was a little perplexing at times, the lack of a desire, it felt like, from Arthur Smith to get him involved, right? You always say get him involved, and that could be, you know, getting him going on a tight end leak. It's just a short pass to get him a catch-and-run opportunity and get him at manufactured looks in the red zone. But you're right, Jay, when you get away from all that, Mariota couldn't throw the ball, yeah. like legitimately could not throw the ball. And there was some promise in that passing offense when Desmond Ritter came in at the end of last season. We still need to see it over a full sample size. I think it helps Drake London a lot more than it helps Kyle Pitts. So, I mean, that's why he's ranked where he is. You take him after the top tight ends, but you still people still believe yep. in Kyle Pitts. So we'll see where that one goes. People were, were yeah. talking about him as potentially, you know, going before Kelsey last uh, year. Like he yeah. was, people were like, can, can I draft? Kyle Pitts is tight end one. And quite frankly, in our lifetime, I don't know if we'll ever see a tight end go top five in the NFL draft this year. And I say that in a class that has Brock Bowers. He's a better prospect than Kyle Pitts. Yep. I just think the position is never drafted like that, which made the hype for Kyle Pitts even crazier than we've ever seen. Yep. So, all right, we'll close this out with the hardest quarterbacks to rank for week one. And this starts with somebody who we're waiting to get health clarity on in Joe Burrow. Uh, Zach Taylor, we played the sound from him yesterday, what he had to say. It does seem promising for Joe Burrow. He comes in as QB6, facing a tough Browns front. And Deshaun Watson, who did not look very good in his return last year, coming in, Q- as, coming in as QB13 against a Bengals defense that is well-coached and has depth and quietly has a very good secondary. So, Barry, I know you were very adamant yesterday that you believe Joe Burrow is playing. I think the rest of the world believes that as well. But, you know, this is a pretty tough matchup against that Browns front as well. It is. And if you think back to 2021 when he was coming up the ACL, those first four weeks he averaged just 26 pass attempts a game, 27, both close to it. And that's still nice, right? But look at what he did from weeks five on. Almost 35 pass attempts a game. 
you know, almost 10 pass attempts more per game. So, I mean, they definitely limited him somewhat in those first four games. So the problem is, is like, we think he's playing, but how aggressive is he going to be? Or is this one of those AFC North, you know, kind of stereotypical games where we're going to, you know, it's going to be a lot of Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon going back and forth as they try to sort of ground and pound each other and wind each other down, especially with Mick, uh, especially with Burrow, you know, uh, coming off of the injury and not having a lot of preseason prepare, like you don't expect them to really be the high-flying Bengals that we've seen at uh, other times. So trying to figure out uh, what Joe Burrow is going to do this weekend at Cleveland is tough, as is the guy on the other side of the ball, Deshaun Watson. I, I, honestly, like what Deshaun Watson shows up, it is the Houston guy that we saw a couple of years ago who was a you know, top-five fantasy quarterback, or is it the guy we saw last year um, out of the final five games that looked, you know, Mariota-esque, honestly, who looked like he shouldn't be playing in place of Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett was the better Browns quarterback. We've talked about that quite a bit. So he's really tough to rank against a not-as-good Cleveland Browns. Uh, I mean, the Bengals matchup is not as tough as the Browns defense, but the Bengals still have a pretty good defense. And again, we just, we've got no concept of what we're going to see from Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I think Deshaun Watson is the one guy in football this year who you have to be quickest to adjust your prior on after what we see in week one. Because if he's bad, if he is the same guy that he was in the last, the back end of last season, that is a massive red flag. Because this is a good Bengals defense. It's not the Cowboys defense, so right. it's not an absolute monster. No. So if Watson's no good, then that is a huge problem. Especially he's playing behind a good offensive line. Yep. They have talent at wide receiver. They've added talent at wide receiver. They have one of the best running backs in football. And Kevin Stefanski is a good play caller, yep. a good head coach. So I'm with you all the way. The Deshaun Watson watch will be fascinating this season in fantasy considering where he's getting drafted. And with that, we will take our last break here. But when we're back, it is time for last call. We might talk about our fantasy football happy hour league one more time about those rosters. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. What did you do, Connor? I uh, adopted a 100-pound dog this weekend. <laughs> yes, so uh, in honor. We, had, we did the read for the rescue a yes. couple weeks ago. and It worked on you? I mean, it was already in the cards kind of before that. But, yeah, a half, uh, half Newfie, half Border Collie. So we'll show some pictures at some uh. point this week. A very fun Labor Day weekend. Yeah, a new like member it. of the family. Yes, this is the newest family member of the Fantasy Football Happy Hour and the newest family member of my small family. This is Gracie. She is almost 100 pounds. Half, <laughs> I don't know how I did this either. Half uh, Newfie, half Border Collie. She is an absolute delight. And now an avid watcher of the show. There's rumors she might even stick around for one of our marathons one of these weekends, Jay. Well, I just hope you don't take everything that Matthew said on that show too literally. Otherwise, Gracie's going to have a sister that's a koala bear uh, carrying around a, a can of Foster's or something. 
Well, look, you know what? She has good taste. I appreciate it. And hopefully uh, your dog listens to me and, you know, doesn't draft Michael Thomas. You know what I mean? Hopefully she goes more with Chris Olave, Connor, who you and I believe will be the best Saints wide receiver, not Michael Thomas. The way Jay does. And what's even better, Matthew, is that uh, I think we believe Rashid Shahid could be the second best Saints wide receiver. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. (laughs) It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.